0: What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. Today, we're partying like it's 1899. My head almost blew off like Data's one time, and we asked the question how do you encode a complex message into Data's brain using just a silver filing? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha
1: Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek, the next generation. I'm your co host, Sharice.
0: Hey, I'm your co host, Andrea. We are back this week with Times Arrow part two this is season six episode one first episode of s- new season it's always really exciting to like beep, beep, wrap up yeah which is kind of a weird thing right because it feels like but we're wrapping up season five so I always feel like episode two is really like the yeah. first real episode of mm-hmm. the season but this one's but this one is just so fun and next week's is like really lame so like we're <laughs> just gonna go ahead and celebrate this for all we can this episode was written by jerry taylor and directed by les landau now, after following the Davidians into the portal, Picard, Troy, Riker, and Beverly find data in 19th century San Francisco as they try to stop the Davidians from stealing human lives. Also, Samuel Clemens is annoying AF. Also, Guyan is there. So, like, win, 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 lose, win. Like, it's, you know, balances out pretty well. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts on this week's
1: episode? Um, this, this one is such a fun one. Probably one of my favorite things about this episode is seeing the entire crew wearing their period costumes. Yeah, I don't think we've seen something like this since the Robin Hood episode with Q, where the whole bridge oh, crew right. was in
0: uniform. So fun. Super fun. Like, this is definitely, like, more dessert. Um, and as I said, like, next week is a Barclay episode. So I'm just going to say let's just enjoy the, like, high while while it lasts. Because <laughs> this is really, like, peak fun TNG. We're getting to see great period costumes. We saw a lot of fantastic period costumes last week. But this week, now we get to bring in, like, Beverly and Troy and Picard mm-hmm. and Riker. And they each and Jordy to, like, looking like, so classy. Yes. And they, and they... I love that like all of the characters are dressed in period costumes, but they're all dressed in different classes of period costumes. So Beverly is the doctor and she's got the little apron and the curls and the little spectacles. Mm -hmm. And Picard is dressed more like a street worker kind Mm -hmm. of a thing, like Like definitely more like relaxed, Mm -hmm. like with his like tweeds and stuff. And Riker is dressed as a 19th century policeman, like a cop. I mean, it's just all of it. It's just so, so fantastic. It's so fun to get to kind of see like the whole team getting to join data in the fun. Now, as we jump right in, Clemens is um, sounding eerily familiar about expelling people who are just not welcome here in his words and I was like you know he's like you know he's talking to what looks like a reporter and he's like there are some people from the future that are here and they just shouldn't be here and we just need to know people are not welcome here and I was like the next thing I feel like he should be saying is we're going to build a wall or something and I was like no <laughs> see that's right here I don't like any of this vibe a like, time wall mm, yeah well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty funny, because, like, you never build a roof over a time wall, and then that's how they come in. Anyway, Yeah, but the point it's is, yeah, it's the like, roof. Yeah, so, yeah, so Clemens is talking
1: to this, this like, journalist, this newspaper reporter, um, mm-hmm. and the reporter's taking feverish notes, and he goes, wow, this sounds amazing, so this is all your next book, right? And Samuel Clemens is like, no, boy, this isn't a book, this is reality! Yeah. <laughs> and, and he just, yeah, he just, oh, it's the worst, but anyways. He says, like, I'm I'm gonna get to the bottom of this and I'm going to like have such a good story for you. Side note, this newspaper man, this journalist, actually mm-hmm. goes on to be a character in Voyager. And he plays get a Vulcan. Out. Yep. He named he play he plays a Vulcan named uh Lieutenant Vork And because you know, the way that Voyager is, the ship has been sent to the Delta Quadrant. So you don't run into a lot of Alpha Quadrant aliens. So he's mm-hmm. one of, like, you know, two Vulcans on the ship or whatever. There's not many Vulcans. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I his he stands out so much to me is that there's a whole episode where he goes into Pon Far for the very first time because he's very young. So oh. he has his first Ponfar on the ship. And as you okay. know, Andrea, and every and you who's listening, as you know as well, that when they're in Ponfar, they need to be mated. So they need to be mm-hmm. with their spouse or if they are not married, they need to take a spouse and enjoy their Ponfar period. But because they're in the Delta Quadrant, there aren't any Vulcans for Vork mm-hmm. to be with. So he snatches up Balana, and he's like, you won't mate me. And she's, you know, part Klingon. So she breaks his nose. <laughs> she's like, touch me again. <laughs> and it'll be the last thing you ever do. But he does. Trans- but he transfers the Ponfar hormones to her. So then she goes into Ponfar.
0: It's, oh, she
1: goes into heat. Yeah. Yes. It's such a good episode. But anyways, when I rewatched this episode, after watching that episode, I was like, this guy's voice sounds familiar. And so I did a little IMDB, as I am mm. ought to do, yes. and, and discovered that. And I thought, oh, that's so fun. He's one of several characters um, who were on different Star Trek shows who show up again in Voyager, including the other Vulcan. He was in one of the Star Trek movies, and then he shows up in Voyager
0: as a Vulcan. It's very cool. Anyways, that's just a little aside. That's super cool. Like I had, I had no idea because you know I never really watched a lot of Voyager. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, I love all that. I love all of that, like backstory, because you're like, wait a minute, we see this character again. Now that is very, very much in keeping with the Star Trek actor portfolio, where like one actor will play a yeah. bunch of different roles. For like, example, Neelix, Neelix was a Ferengi, and then he yep. came back as a Talaxian. Like a lot of actors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, are the uh, like we have reached the final boss of the most punchable face in Star <laughs> Trek history and it is and it is Samuel Clemens but he plays he plays that that doctor from that like dying planet where they kidnapped Wesley and a bunch of kids yeah. cuz they're trying to repopulate the uh, back That's in like, season like, back 1 or 2 or something 1 or 2 it's like season 1 or 2 and and Wesley's got to be like the team leader and kind of corral all the kids to like you know revolt rebel. against mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah to like rebel in some kind of way and i was like oh yeah that guy and like that guy was okay but that guy this was fine dude i mean he was a kidnapper dude, but he wasn't annoying i mean he was a child kidnapper so beyond that like i mean besides but, but that he was acting, very nice that, I, mean, <laughs> I mean not that kidnapping is ever okay but like they had sort of a legit reason but anyway the point is but the but the character itself wasn't he wasn't a grading person but samuel yeah. clemens is grading a uh-huh. i can't deal with him but Thankfully, it's seen short. Oh my God, thank God, right? It's short, but deeply impactful. Now, as Clemens is talking to this reporter, um, Data walks out of the hotel and down the street and passes the Davidians, who we've seen are the man and the woman, and they have the snake staff and the physician's um, kind of bag to like Mm -hmm. suck people's essences. And I thought, how does he not notice the snake? Because here's the thing, a normal person, any human, would have totally missed it but he's data he's constantly taking in information at all times mm-hmm. so i would think a couple of people walking around with a snake staff would not escape his detection
1: yeah but like, the snake staff data. the snake staff didn't look anything like it did in the cave
0: we uh, saw what the see, snake looked like did, when it activated, right. and it yeah, looked when like, it, like a snake. Became alive. Yeah, it yeah. looked
1: like an actual snake with, like, electricity coming from its mouth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when it turned into a staff, it just looked like a cane. It like a lovely, like,
0: ivory cane. Yeah,
1: yeah it mm-hmm. looked really pretty.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think so he was, was looking that... for a
1: living snake, not a cane that had a snake head.
0: Mm, okay. Because okay. he never said,
1: I'm looking for a cane, right? He said, I'm looking for two people who have a snake.
0: This is true. This is true. So I didn't think of that, but I was like, gosh, if it was like a cane snake and he knew he was looking for that, like, he would never have missed that. Yeah, But at any rate, we do flash to Riker dressed as a very handsome policeman and Beverly in one of the most fabulous period costumes in television history who are in the morgue and are scanning the bodies of those who died of cholera. And Beverly says, I just don't understand how so many people could have died from cholera. It just isn't that virulent. And I was like, oh, my gosh, so many people died in the cholera pandemic and Mm -hmm. epidemic. Like, I love how they're tying in that most of the people in our history who died from cholera were actually killed by Davidians. Because if cholera Mm. really isn't that virulent, Mm -hmm. that means that, like, 90% of the people who died of, quote, unquote, cholera in our actual past were taken by Davidians, which I think is really really cool oh yeah that's super interesting that's a nice that is really cool right and um one of the corpses has been like totally depleted of electrochemical energy it's the 49er and the davidians are draining their neural energy so i so i love how like riker and beverly kind of put this together where they were like Mm -hmm. why would they do this and she said if i were a davidian looking to suck out like neural energy or electrochemical energy from people i would travel back to a time where like plagues and pandemics were the norm and people Mm -hmm. just drop dead all the time and the technology was also not that great to detect how they died. And that mm-hmm. sounds that sounds really it sounds a lot like um the television series Loki, where like the um the variant Loki is mm-hmm. like hiding in apocalypses, where like people mm-hmm. would die anyway. So anything mm-hmm. they do was kind of undetected. And I was like, that's really, right, it's, really it, smart it I love the temporal
1: it paradoxes if you're in a yes. place that's going to be destroyed in 2 days anyways. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting and the way she did it was so it just felt so Sherlock Holmesy to me because this is the oh, time period of Sherlock Holmes. Totally. So that was a nice throwback for me. Um and I kind of would have liked if we had Sir Arthur Conan Doyle as some kind of, you know, pop up but we're in San Francisco, <laughs> we're not in England, so hey. He but anyway.
0: Anybody's better no than
1: Samuel Clemens, <laughs> okay. You know? But yeah, it kind of made me. It it had this Holmesian vibe. How she's like describing it out loud for us, for our benefit, to be like, I would go back in a time, and you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's why. That's why they went back so I could. That's kill. what they're doing here now. So we know with impunity, so nobody would know what I was up to, and it's so sneaky. And then you're like, Okay, we didn't know exactly what the Davidians were up to before, but now we know they're up to no good,
0: and yeah. we also
1: know that those little light balls you know those balls of Mm -hmm. light that they were eating in the cave that had these terrifying memories last memories or they were echoes and imprints of human life now Mm -hmm. we know it's literally all of the neuronal energy being sucked from their body so it really Mm -hmm. is a little ball of energy and it does contain their neural pathways so like their memories their emotions their thoughts um all of that was perfect that was a really good tie-in too
0: because you're like yeah checks out that that totally sounds legit (laughs) Mm -hmm. no all of it all of it sounds perfect because now we have tied not only do we now know what's happening we know why it's happening like the davidians are going back in time and killing people and we don't know why but it's like oh now we understand like this is their only food source which they the davidians end up telling us later in the episode but it's like there's no substitute for this food source and we must feed and it's really tough because actually um, I'm a teacher and I teach this year, I'm teaching middle school science and I really, really love it. And we just finished a whole thing on space and we got to talk about with my classes, like quasars and pulsars and black holes and, you know, uh, moons, just a, just a ton of cool stuff. Right. And we've moved on to marine biology. And so I showed them kind of a couple of clips of like life. In the ocean and what it's really like, and um, one of the clips that I showed them and I gave them a little trigger warning because they're you know they're middle school kids so they're not little kids but they're not super big yet. Because so I was like, look, there is a video footage that I'm going to show you of um, a pod of killer whales hunting down like um, a, a whale mother and her calf, and they separate them and they end up killing the baby whale and like eating it. And the kids were like, oh no, I'm fine watching that. Which I was like, sure, of course you are. But a lot of kids were like, oh my gosh, but that's so sad. And I was like, it is sad. But it's also sad if the killer whales have to starve to death because there's no food source. Like it's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, nature does not care about feelings. Like the Davidians have to eat somehow. And like if you're traveling into the past, like, uh, okay, like you are messing up the like the timeline though. So it's like that, that's a no-go. And obviously we can't have people just coming in like preying on our helpless like past, like mm-hmm. there's no idea how to combat this or there's like no way, yeah. right? But, but it's also, you know, when the dividend later says it's the only food source and there's no substitute for it, like we've already tried. It's like, well, that is tough because a, this makes me question, how did your species even rise? Like how long yes. have you been coming into our past to like kill yeah. us? Mm-hmm. But also like, we can't allow you to just continue doing that. You know, yeah. just like if I were a gray whale, I'd be like, yeah, no, I know you have to eat, but like eat something else. <laughs> Don't eat right. me or my kids. I mean, you know? because, because it is survival, right? You're like, yes, yeah. it's, it's sad if the
1: Davidians don't survive, but it's also sad if the humans don't survive and they both have to survive. So we got to figure it out and mm-hmm. figure out another source. And the Davidian solution was we're just going to eat you. And so the humans, yeah. because we
0: can fight back, we're like, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we are <laughs> not be allowing any of
0: that. <laughs> no, no, no. Now, before we get to that though, the away team have rented a lovely flat with no money down apparently, and, and they've gotten clothes for everyone with no I money down it. apparently. With no money, also, I'm like, what? They Maybe did they it also on sold Charm. their com badges, but they all have com oh, yeah. badges. it's so yeah. weird. But anyway, so they're debriefing on like you what. They got three dollars yeah for each badge like I Girl, don't think that'd but, be enough but those no but those outfit outfits all cost like a nickel a piece like they're fine because remember three dollars is like 50 bucks but anyway they're debriefing on what like Beverly and Riker kind of Discovered at the morgue mm-hmm. and like what it can mean. And they're like, okay, how do we stop this? What happens? One little minor aside, have you noticed that Troy is forever struggling with her corset? And I love that. And I, I like, love that, you would ne- Let's be real, you would never need to wear a corset. Come yeah, on. Yeah, she's
1: she's too tiny to ever need one, but because everyone wore it at the time, she was wearing it. But yeah. I love that she's like just touching it and messing with it because she's showing how freaking uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And ridiculous. And this yeah. is coming from a woman who wears a onesie every day with her boobs showing, and this is uncomfortable. So you know this is uncomfortable, right? I love that she's like, oh, ooh, ooh, because Beverly's fine with it. And I I just think it needed to be acknowledged that these outfits are a challenge to wear. So, yeah, I did notice that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, now they do say they're like, they still can't find data. You know, Jordy has like, science, some 19th century technology together to try to communicate with. He's got a tricorder
1: that can find any of data signals. But... He says, because of the technology, and in my mind, I'm just thinking, like, satellites and cell phones, right? He's like, because yeah. of the technology, they have to be, like, right on top of data
0: mm-hmm. for that technology also, to work. Also, they don't know that, like, he sold his comm badge, right? So it's like, well, you can't get a hold of him anyway. That's now, true. I don't know if they're looking for the combat. I don't know what exactly they're looking they're for. They're trying but they just to said communicate they with him. To find and like data. They, yeah, they've rigged some way to communicate the data, but they're not getting anything back. So it's like, well, he's, he probably, he we probably got that combadge badge he, back cuz he got all his like, all the clothes off their back so he probably I know this is bedroom. this is true but he hasn't been wearing it ever since yeah. though so it's yeah. like okay so we yeah. assume he sold it for the money and the whatever but the landlady comes and the rent is overdue, and she's like, "Mr. Pickard, the rent is overdue. It is one o'clock on a Wednesday, or whatever." And she's having mm-hmm. this whole thing, and he tries to sweet talk her, and you know, Picard is very charming, and Patrick Stewart is even more charming, and she's not having any of it. And I was like, mm-hmm. "You go, girl. You get your money and mm-hmm. you get your rent, okay?" <laughs> um, or now, you all will be out on your ears tomorrow. Tomorrow, she's tomorrow like, was at due one Tuesday p.m. Tuesday at one. It is now Wednesday at one. There's no rent rent is due tomorrow at one or you guys are out and they're like okay bye and he's like mr pickard right and off the off she goes now here's an omg moment the next thing we see why is jack the bellman letting samuel clemens into data's room well, i'm sorry this is a fireable offense right there like <laughs> we have a valued guest in our presidential suite and you're just letting random people come poke around in his shit because he feels like he needs to be a Karen and get involved in whatever mystery (laughs) data is a part of what is wrong with this guy We
1: know we know that that's Clemens intent is that he's just spying on data but what he tells Jack is because he explains it like as he's letting him in he says um oh thank you so much Jack for letting me in because forget what he's some letter of intent. He wrote some letter of intent that's yeah. going to help Data, you know, get this great, amazing job, but he forgot to sign it. And if he doesn't sign it, then Data won't get this job and it's going to, like, ruin Data's life. So Jack is like, well, I'm happy to help. You know, I want to help Data, so that's okay. And But then he also says, but I would appreciate it if you didn't spread it around that I let you in because, ugh, like, this could, you know, not, right, not see, but look good like in I, the
0: future. I, uh, I feel like... I feel like at some point it's like, you know what, how about this? You wait down here in the lobby and I will go up to the room and pull the letter real quick because we don't even know if it's in the room or if data has it. And like all that, all of that comments. Or like, no, we'll
1: just wait till data gets back. How about that? And he can just sign the letter and you could sign it. You know what?
0: Talk to my manager, Karen, because this is like not, we're not doing this. But he somehow sweet talks Jack and then- Jack's of young in, and nice and
1: dumb, I guess. He seems like a man of the world, but this totally this totally tricked him in like no no time at all. <laughs> so as he's leaving, he's like, "You remember my name? My name's Jack London. I'm thinking about going to Alaska and da, da da da." And I was like, "Okay, well clearly this is some important figure who I did not know." So I googled it, and turns out he's an American novelist best known for writing the, the book the Call of The Wild and a oh, whole yeah. bunch of other books that take place oh, yeah. in, a, this in was, Alaska he was, or he was a
0: huge writer.
1: Nearish Alaska. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was like, okay, that is n- nice too. They're trying to like throw in this like, oh, look, the two of them were friends, and they were at this hotel yeah, together, and they all. Met but me. it felt a little Forrest Gumpy it,
0: without it, without being as good as Forrest Gump. Yes, Forrest Gump had all these like wonderful, like synchronous moments where like where they're made for, it like really good. It made it really, really good, and it made Forrest Gump like a pivotal character mm-hmm. in a lot of American history moments mm-hmm. of the 60s and 70s. But this just felt really shoehorned and forced. Yes. And I was like, I don't... We didn't need to know that Jack was actually Jack London. And now watch, like... um uh you know there's a tony and his name is actually like his family name is stark and he's gonna start an industry company and have iron yeah. Man. it was just like we don't need it was a bunch theory. of fucking celebrities that jack nobody actually just, cares that much about he could have just he could have just been jack he could have
1: just yep. been jack i don't feel like that added in but again i think it's with that whole like we want to have be samuel clemens we want to have be you know this was supposed to be like I a don't.
0: wow but for me i was just like see why? it just you know <laughs> it just made me hate mark Twain. <laughs> just a Which, little bit more <laughs> i never hated mark twain but it made me very leery of like any of his writing so i'm like if the real mark twain was anything like this character i want nothing to do with this moron but but why did it have to be a celebrity why does he got to be like having adventures with a celebrity there were millions of other people on the planet and hundreds of thousands of other people in Sac- in san francisco like why couldn't it just be like a like a like a cranky curmudgeon who was just kind of like the neighborhood snoot? Yeah, why did it, it have, to have to be Samuel Clemens, Clemens at all? It didn't yeah. have to mm-hmm. be Samuel Clemens. That, it could listen, have just been anybody. Rick Berman. You did a lot of good with the show, so I'm going to let this slide. But this was the stupidest <laughs> fucking shoehorn ever <laughs> written. Like, why did he have to, like, rub elbows with a celebrity? Why? It didn't add anything to the episode. It actually took things, it took away from, like, the magic of the episode. Jack could have just been Jack the Bellman, who ended up, like, getting married and settled down and dying at the old age of, like, 94. Like, who cares? It could have yeah. just been a regular and Samuel guy. Samuel Clemens
1: could have just been Samuel Tate. Just, like, whatever. Yeah. Just a guy. Samuel
0: Friendly. Who cares? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but, well, whatever. This is what we have. But so- they, he he pokes around in the room and he actually sends Jack away after he's like, you remember my name, Jack London. Wink, wink. I'm going to be famous like you one day. Wink, wink to the audience. I'm like breaking the fourth wall. And Samuel Clemens is like, all right, bye-bye. And like shuts the door on him. <laughs> and he pokes around the room and he does find that Data has built some sort of machine and there's some kind of plasma ray or something fancy that's happening. And he picks a part off of the machine and the beam turns off. And as he's kind of figuring out like what he's like, he hears, yeah, he hears like people coming up the stairs and a key in the door. And so he runs into the closet and hide and Guinan and data come into the room. And they're like trying to hatch some sort of plan out of this pickle.
1: Right. How to get to
0: the cavern specifically, the cavern. Data Data's head was found in. Yeah. Data's head was found in. And, data discovers that something's missing from his device and he's like gosh whoever took this piece i hope they're not holding it for long because it's very deleterious to like organic life and you hear it drop immediately onto the floor and they go to the closet and there he is smoking his cigars again in the closet and he's like eavesdropping is no you know activity for a gentleman (laughs) but the deed is done like again and they're like did you notice that Guinan looks so pissed she looks yeah. so effing irritated
1: <laughs> yeah and that's when she just kind of goes off on him is like data's business is his own and mm-hmm. i will thank you to mind yours like get out mm-hmm. of his business get out of course, here he comes back with it's my business it's all of mankind's business and i'm gonna stop what you're doing whatever you're up to i'm gonna figure it out and i'm gonna stop it and they're just like uh <sighs> like i just sound, well, like,
0: you sound like such a karen like you notice a couple of 12 year olds writing their skateboards and you got to go like take the skateboards away and wag your finger at them and tell them that they're breaking a rule that isn't even really a rule right now it's just like i don't know what you're doing but you seem like you're having fun at it so i'm gonna stop you and it's like why is this don't you have parties to attend to and book signings to go to and but celebrity whatever the f's yeah, doing? To like, be, to do be you doing like why do you need to stop
1: data to be fair he does think that data and gaiden are doing something to like damage the whole entire planet but instead of being direct, he's being sneaky and wasting time. But yeah. to be fair, he does think he's stopping some huge plot that only he knows about. And no one else could stop or whatever. What I do like about this scene is that he's trying to catch data in a lie. And he's like, uh, where were you from in Belgium again or Switzerland or something? And he goes, I am French. And then he's <laughs> like, what's this device here on your on your desk? And he's like, it is a time shift. It is a gearing mechanism for the horseless carriage because earlier Jack had said, "What are you building?" And he goes, "Yeah." What do you think I'm building? And yes. he goes, "Maybe an engine for a horseless carriage." And he goes, "That is a very good guess." Yeah, so like t- he's just like taking it all in. So at this point, when Clemens is like, <laughs> "What is this exactly?" and he points to this machine, he goes, "It is a gearing mechanism for the horseless carriage." Like he already has an answer ready, and Clemens is just like, "Da." Thwart it again you always have an answer for everything but i'm gonna but, catch you Mr. but data. no
0: he actually was like don't try to throw this horseless carriage bullshit at me i know that's not what you're doing and data's like dang it <laughs> he's like yeah you have an answer but he's like don't try any of your tomfoolery like psychological tricks on me sir it's not working and i was like well he's smart enough to know this now he also has been poking around in data's business he knows Suspicious. that data has been yeah, he does know that Data has been to the Historical Records Office, the Geological Society, and several other things. So he's like, I I know you're up to you something. You
1: sure do get around, Mr. Data, as do yeah. you,
0: Mr. Clemens. Yes, which I love. you're going everywhere I'm like, I've been. Yeah, Absolutely. So he's like, I don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is you're doing, I'm going to stop you. It's like, okay, well, and good luck to us all. Now, Picard and the crew are in the hospital, and Picard has placed these Tryon detectors in the lamps... And when one of the hospital workers comes, I think it's the doctor, he comes in and he's like, what are you doing over there? And he tells the man that he's replacing the parts of the lamp to make it more stable in case of an earthquake per city ordinance. And he kind of packs it up and covers up the like future technology he's got and packs up his ladder and off he goes. And the doctor goes... (laughs) When would he ever have an earthquake? And of course, I was like, "Well, I know about the San Francisco earthquake of 1906, but I didn't know a whole bunch of details. Like, I knew it was a really big and really bad earthquake, mm-hmm. but I did like a mini dive on it." Now, the San Francisco earthquake hit in 1906 at like 5:30 in the morning while everybody was asleep. It was a very, very bad time for an earthquake to hit. Although one of this magnitude, it was between 7.7 and 7.9 on the Richter scale, and it lasted nearly a minute, which is a terrifyingly long amount of time. An earthquake. I've lived through a number of earthquakes being from Southern California, and the really, really long earthquakes go on for like eight to 10 seconds. So almost a full minute. I mean, that just went on for an eternity. Over 80% of the city was completely destroyed, completely. And more than 3,000 people died being crushed like in their beds. Mm-hmm. The earthquake also ignited several large fires that burned the city for three to five days before everything was wow. totally put out the survivors absolutely felt like the apocalypse had come like the world had ended and this earthquake is thought to be on the same scale as like the volcanic eruption of pompeii like a huge natural disaster for the books so um i did actually think like oh picard were you actually changing something in the lamps like as well as adding a trion detector because then like sure he wasn't that's but i don't know I don't know, because I feel why like he 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 breaks the t- prime directive all the time. Well, because what
1: difference is it going to make if he changes one lamp? He only put it in that one lamp because that's where
0: oh, that, that was the true. ward
1: where they were going to detect the aliens. It wasn't. Yeah, that's why I'm like, no, that's he wasn't true. really that trying to save The world from an earthquake. No, he was just trying to put in the detector and give a plausible yeah. reason and saying yeah. like, oh, because of earthquakes was plausible for southern, you know, for California. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the doctor was just like earthquakes. We don't get no stinking earthquakes. So mm-hmm. I was like, oops. Oh, right. Not yet. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those. <laughs> you moments, will but. in
0: like 20 years or so, but yeah, exactly. like a, a big one. And you exactly. will probably die in it. Yeah. So it now, won't matter either. They leave They leave Beverly to work with a patient who needs a little bit of help. And the Tryon detector goes off when that Davidian couple walks in. And Beverly's like, oh shit. You know, because there's a little alarm that goes to her tricorder and it goes off. And she's like, oh my God, she turns and around she's and she's the sees only one them. in there
1: because everyone else is like walking around the hospital
0: trying to find this Davidian couple. Yes and yeah, doing so their own investigation. She hits her combat so that they know like to all meet back where she is and I love how they walked in like two seconds after the try-on detector was like set up but that's perfect and she intercepts them before they can suck the patient dry of neural energy and she's like do you need a doctor? Do you think what is? what do you think his temperature is? And they're not speaking and they're just looking at her which made me wonder I'm like did they could they speak at all? Were they just shape-shifty but like their ability to communicate was like not there? But mm-hmm. she stalls for a time before the whole gang bursts in and engages in a fist fight with the Davidians? (laughs) and there's just like pow crush boom like practically like sound effects (laughs) and they seem unharmed by phasers but they transport away just before they're captured now while this is happening it looks like data has made kind of like a like a richter scale for triolic wave patterns and as soon as that thing starts kicking off somehow it's able to like triangulate where this is happening because he Mm -hmm. grabs two horses and a carriage from where? I don't know. And steals them and just makes way to the hospital. And as soon as like th- the group is now on the run, because like the police show up and they're like, wait, who are you? Like, what department are you in, Riker? And he's like, Oh, I'm new in uh department four. And the guy's like, I'm from department four. Wait a minute. You stay here for questioning. And they're like, um, I'm super sorry. And then they punch the c- police officer in the yeah. face. Right, not punching out the cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he's like, Well, I already punched a couple of Davidians. Like, might as well punch a police officer. And the like, Data swoops
1: in and, like, saves the day. So during this big fist fight, a couple important things that happen. One is, yeah, we don't hear the Davidians talk, so that's a little sus. They try to escape by activating their Ophidian, their snake. And snake does activate, uh. and they do get to go through the portal, but someone snatches the snake staff from them. So they lose it and Riker now has it. So when the cop comes in and he's seeing all the commotion and he's like, I heard there were gunshots coming from here, but it was really like phaser fire or whatever. But he's like, what, what's the weapon and whatever else. And he sees the staff and the cop takes the staff and he's like, this is a gentleman's cane. I don't know what you guys are doing with it. And I don't recognize this cop. And he's really suspicious. So Riker's just like, okay, too many questions. We don't have time for this. Knocks the guy out, takes the staff and they just all make a break for it. They run out. And the second they run out, Data comes around the corner with the horse and carriage. So it was just perfect timing. They mm-hmm. all jump in the carriage and Data's like, "I suggest we make our, you know, we make our introductions once we're safely away." And they're like, "Good yes. idea." So they they fly away, they go back to Picard's home and the cops are blowing their whistles and running behind the carriage and trying to catch them but they don't. So at this point I'm thinking to myself, surely everyone knows where Data lives though. He's like the one albino in all of San Francisco. <laughs> but Actually, rethinking this and something that we said in our last episode recording is that he purposefully did not go outside. He was only outside like a couple times. When he Mm -hmm. first got there, he was outside. When he saw the Davidian couple at the beginning of this episode, he was outside. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, Jack was doing all his errands. So it is conceivable that people... Just walking down the street would be like, oh, that's that guy who's staying at hotel such and such in room such and such, right? Yeah, but he they but they ended up away. but
0: they ended up Picard's flat. They didn't end up at the, no, the no, Davis Hotel room.
1: Just when his ho- just when his carriage went around the corner and it's oh, being yeah. driven by an albino that everyone on the street is what I'm saying, would be like, oh, oh. that's the guy who's that's that really weird Frenchman who's staying at the such and such hotel, mm-hmm. is what I was thinking, because that's how small towns are. But, you know, assuming he went far enough away from his hotel and he's been keeping pretty low-key. Um, you know, went to Guinan's party. He only went out a couple times. So I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe not everybody knows who he is. Um, and so they ended up at Picard's place and now they are examining the cane. They're trying to figure out what it is, how it works. And basically they discover that the snake responds to triolic waves and that that kind of activates it and that the cavern is this focal point, almost like a magnifying glass that amplifies the triolic waves that helps the snake um, kind of point that power to open up portals. And so um, they kind of, they, they shoot it with a trialic beam or something and you see it kind of become a real snake for a second and it snaps yes. back into cane mode. Yeah. Very
0: cool. Yes. Yes. Now they do those couple of tests on it. And um, that's like when they realize that the, the Davidians must have some so, sort of way of like stabilizing this rift as like it was large enough for like several people to walk through and it's like stable for several minutes time but this was just kind of like blink it was like flickering of, it was flickering like rift oh like a time like a time rip and it was like that was really interesting now while they're kind of wrapping this up the landlady comes to yell at mr pickard again and he <laughs> does manage to kind of charm her this time cuz he's like mm-hmm. we we want you to read the part of Titania in our play that we're going to be putting on and we've played in like London and and Broadway and like whatever else. Mm-hmm. And so she like very clumsily reads a few lines and I love that. Troy has to very very surreptitiously like turn over <laughs> Jordy's book cuz Jordy like can't have a visor on like he he wears like um little dark like sunglasses. dark lenses. Yeah, mm-hmm. he wears like dark sunglasses, which like blind people at the time wore. And so he couldn't tell that his book was upside down, but the the missus didn't notice. So like I love that Troy kind of like turns the book around and they're mm-hmm. doing a little reading and and she does a very clumsy reading of Titania, but they're like, oh I do not need to hear anymore. Okay. Rehearsals start tomorrow at noon. And he like kisses her on the cheek and she's like Yeah like, she, she goes she totally and, and about the yeah, totally yeah totally
1: Yeah. She could care less about it. She's gonna play Titania. Yeah. Which is just it was just very it was very cute. It was a very cute scene. And then we kind of take a glimpse back to the hospital where The journalist is there and he's interviewing people and Clemens is there. Why is he there? We don't know. But he's there. No And he's kind of like, you know, figuring out from the reporter what all happened at the hospital. So the the guy, Mm -hmm. the reporter's like, and then this happened and then this happened and then there was a brawl and then there was a shooting. And, you know, it's like this fantastical story. And he's like, and then an albino came around the corner and a horse and carriage and they all escaped. And Clemens is just like, yeah, Mr. Data. And the journalist (laughs) is like, wait, you know who that is? Right. Like, maybe we should tell the police this person's identity. No one said that. Yeah. They were just like, wow, you know who that is? And he's like, yeah, you know what? I know more than now he's got more with him. Like, this is this is escalating very quickly from what it was just a few hours ago. So Clemens is not having any of it. And he's like, look, when's your deadline? Three o'clock, five o'clock, whatever. He's like, all right, I'm going to have a great story for you because I already know mm-hmm. where they're going. I already know mm-hmm. what they're up to. I'm gonna capture that. Well, because and give Guinan you the best had been saying.
0: Life. Guinan had been saying we need to f- get to the caverns under the Presidio, which is a um, small national park in San Francisco. Which I looked up and I was like, ah, okay. So now he knows like they're going under the Presidio, like to do whatever like do some evil the doing they're gonna things. do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's like, so, um, and I love that. Like, while this is happening, Data walks in with Guinan and Picard, like, kind of does this, like very like fateful sort of walk up to her like you're here like this is why you said I should come on the away mission Mm -hmm, because she didn't know none of them knew yeah none of them knew none of them knew like how would they have known right because she didn't spill the beans although she totally could have she would have been like look me up at this address and I will help (laughs) you or whatever but okay whatever um but he goes Guinan it's you and she goes do I know you and he goes no, but you will. And I just love that. Cause then she kind of looks at him like, and then she goes, do you know me? And he's like, I like to think so, and like, oh, that's so that's so mysterious. <laughs> yes, it's so cute. It's so cute. So like now we've kind of got this like merging of the of like all the storylines, mm-hmm. and in the case below the Presidio, the away team like try quarters to detect the entire cavern that's been like mole- molecularly manipulated to focus the time space distortion. This is where the Davidians have been entering and exiting. So that's why there's so many like trial like energy. Frequency waves, like all mm-hmm. over, like left in, because this is th- like those trial. This is waves, their door, basically. This is their doorway. This is why, like the Ophidian, can like open the gate, but it's not stable unless they're like entering and exiting from this cave into their cave that has that trialic wave pattern mm-hmm. as well. It was like okay for for fake. Made up technology, it makes tracks makes to me perfect it's fine. sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I love now, it when that happens when it makes sense, and you're like, Yeah, when fake technology makes sense, when it yes. tracks, isn't that great? Because
1: that takes the extra a little bit extra effort to make sure that the it fake does. technology makes sense, and I appreciate and it, that.
0: And it takes that little bit that I think the audience really appreciates because you go, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, that works. Because when you watch mm-hmm. a story where there's something so wildly out of character or something or that like, doesn't matter, that, that stupid string that like space string, whatever it was. Yeah. And they're like, it's only two
1: microns wide. And it's like a bajillion miles wide. And you're like, what? Huh?
0: Like, why can't we just looking at it really zoomed in? Like, what the F is this? Yes. Now, as they're figuring out how to open the space-time distortion, Clemens shows up with a gun, which is one of the Colt 45 that was found by the archaeologists at the beginning of the episode. And he holds them all hostage, but the Davidians happen to transport in at the perfect time and steal the snake staff from Data, who fights back, and in the ensuing fracas, is hit by a powerful burst of energy, and guess what? His head is torn clean off, full circle. Now we
1: are full circle. And what a shocking moment. His head just pops off, and you're
0: like, oh like my Like a gosh. champagne cork. I was yes. like, wow, it just tore clean off his body. And... In in the ensuing like circus of it all, Guinan is also hit by some energy or something because she's mm-hmm. knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. So now this doorway is open and stable. And so the whole await. And is one like, of oh the Davidians
1: God. was also knocked out. Mm-hmm. But the other Davidian is like, suck us and turns around and yes. runs,
0: <laughs> leaves her there and is like, uh, I'll come back for you I swear. like just leaves (laughs) leaves are high and dry (laughs) right with aliens who know what she's up to but that's beside the point like the whole away team follow him back along with data's body and picard is like i'm gonna stay with gunning because she's hurt now even like even mr clemens runs through right just
1: just as the portal's closing and there's only like a little bit left Samuel Clemens jumps up and dives headfirst through the portal. And you're like, ugh. Why? Why? All people. why? This is Stay? what you wanted. You wanted to get rid of them. And now you're like, wait for me, guys. Yeah. So, I'm going to go to your lair. Like, okay. He, jumped, he jumps in. Picard's staying back with Guinan to just, you know, be with her because she was hurt. And also, yeah. this Davidian happens to be like lay, laid out in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Data's head has rolled under a bench or something. <laughs> The gun, I think, is still maybe. The, I don't even know what happened to the gun. And they're all just couldn't, kind of couldn't like, they, like, throw his head through the portal as well to be like, here, <laughs> they, reattach this. Like they could have done yeah, anything, you just, but you could just. They didn't have time on, for that, it's though. Fine. They, yeah, so barely had time to run through the portal. Yeah, and they. We think the card behind is really like a hard call. They would not have done that if he hadn't ordered them to. Um, yeah because yeah. it's but like he
0: he stayed he stayed because gynon needed help yeah like, and it's like, like Captain, Davidian, this, is,
1: they, this is why we don't bring you on away missions because yeah. of this we go back because in time shit like and this. you don't yeah. want to come back
0: this is yeah. why yeah but even though it was really annoying <laughs> that clemens like jumped into the time portal with them like it's uh-huh. gonna work out nicely in the end so right. whatever but the away team like and clemens have gone through the portal and they end back at davidia 2 in the current time and they beam up to the ship
1: and i love rikers like you what are you doing here when he turns around and sees Clemens dusting himself off with the rest of the away team like uh, (laughs) as 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 data's
0: body is like strewn across the transporter pad it's like oh mr data i'm sure he'll be fine he's a frenchman they rally like you couldn't believe right so (laughs) so i love that he's like mr wharf escort mr clemens to like his quarters and make sure that he stays there keep him under lock and key like he needs to be guarded Like as if the doors have locks in the first place, but whatever, which they don't. don't. So he would be poking into all kinds of stuff, but I love the moment that Clemens sees Worf and he's like, Oh my God. It's like a werewolf. That's what he
1: says. He goes, Oh, (laughs) werewolf. And you just see Worf like, what the, and Richter's like, don't pay any mind to him.
0: And, Uh, and Worf just rolls his eyes. That is so great. That's so great. And Troy is like, why don't I take him around? He, he, he likes to see himself as like a very genteel sort of like a, a man of the world. He knows mm-hmm. his way, like kind of around a uh, like mm-hmm. how to treat a woman nicely. So mm-hmm. you know, he'll take my arm and I'll take his arm and I'll just walk him around. So she's still in her period drama clothes. She takes him around for a minute, and then she gets changed and we see her later, like in her onesie. That yeah, looks and I guess way more uncomfortable than than any corset. <laughs> it she could kind have been of does, wearing.
1: but I guess you know temporal prime directive is not a thing at this point because yeah. we are just showing him around the ship and chit chatting with him and showing him all kinds of future technology this should be a no-no <laughs> but in this episode it's just like what else do you want to say yeah yeah we got replicators too yeah uh-huh yeah. big ones and little ones do you want like you, you- want to
0: take one back with you is that do you want
1: you can make a yeah, killing we have some there things. was a time traveler
0: that tried to do this but he was stealing it so we couldn't let so that happen. That but we'll yeah, just so that, was, that
1: was a no but for you i mean since you did come in all you know just like there was no <laughs> temporal prime directive they were just <laughs> taking him around the ship showing him all the stuff and i was like
0: mm, okay let's just show you what, but they did say like she did end more interesting as a viewer him, for sure y- yeah like it they she did end up kind of convincing him that like we as people have solved, suck. yeah, the future is like worth all of the work because we have solved like poverty and with the solving of poverty came like equal education and and healthcare and like there when, when no more poverty existed, people didn't have to work. They just contributed for like the general welfare. It's very much like built on like a very communist type of society where it's like everybody just works and all your needs are taken care of, which sounds mm-hmm. great on paper and totally doesn't work in real for life. For some reason it doesn't, but it seems like it should, but it doesn't. It should, except for the part of the equation where humans come into it, where humans will never, ever <laughs> want ever to live in equality. And ob- obviously well, somebody is going to ruin it for everybody and needs to have more power than everyone, which then makes you unequal and it's anal well, animal- okay, from all over again. That is true. But in addition
1: to that, there are also people like me. I'm extremely ambitious and driven and I like to be the best at things or like I I, I want more. I'm not satisfied mm-hmm. at a certain you know level or place or whatever. And I want to keep moving. And when I do an activity... So like, this is why I love rock climbing with you because there's so many levels, like whatever level I'm at, I can always grow. But if it's an activity where there is no, there's no growth, I don't want anything to do with it. Like, as soon as I feel like I'm getting it pretty well, I'm over it. And so I feel like that also comes into play in a communist type of society where everyone has to be equal where mm-hmm. no one can be like the boss or no one can be like really, really good, better than everybody mm-hmm. else or no one can mm-hmm. like grow in these because, really explosive ways. Because if ways. you're
0: better than someone, then you are not equal. And then now we Correct. have inequality again. which And is now like we have inequality. The- Ex- yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's like, no, you're not allowed to do X,
1: Y, Z. You have to be at the same level as everybody else. So everyone's equal. So I can also see that being a big challenge for people who like me are maybe not necessarily power hungry, but definitely, I don't know, maybe I'm power hungry, but definitely, you know, not wanting to just like all be exactly the same, but wanting everyone to have their own places where they can shine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you're right. Humans come into the equation and the math just doesn't check out. It but just doesn't
0: work. Yeah. Clemens
1: finds that whatever they've done in Starfleet, which is like magical and wonderful <laughs> is like, it's <laughs> pretty not utopic. It's pretty utopic. It's it's not what he thought it was going to be. And it's not what he thought they were coming to do. He thought they were coming mm-hmm. to dissolve the fabric of his, t- his timeline and just ruin the planet and he's seeing and and he keeps saying stuff like there's a bully who walks by and he's like that blue fellow is your servant and Troy's like no he's a member of the crew like you just assumed mm-hmm. he was our servant cuz he looks different but no yeah. he's just like hmm and he does come over to the light side and says okay you've handled my future very well so i kind of feel bad about stalking Data and in and trying to ruin <laughs> all their plans and holding you at it gunpoint. Is... And and yeah, I kind of feel bad about that now. Yeah.
0: I sort of feel bad about that. Can we just go <laughs> my bad and just kind of sweep it all under the rug? Fine. And he does. Now, now, when they the... come into the lab, do you see how he like path Data on the arm? And he it's just does. like, he goes, Data. Hang in there, Mr. Data. I'm sorry. Yeah. He
1: says, I'm sorry. I, I, I misjudged you. And it's like, well, good. That lot of good at doing him now with no yeah. head that you're apologizing? just a
0: headless suit yeah it's uh but you know of course Jordy being Jordy, he's like well we do have the 500 year old head like we could try to reattach that and like uh, let's see if it'll work but you know even Beverly was like that shit's been underground for five centuries like some stuff is not gonna work like mm-hmm. dust alone like is yep. not gonna work which reminds me let me tell you this little very quick story of things sitting in a dusty place and what could happen to them my mom always collects a whole bunch of random stuff or like just accumulates stuff and then refuses to get rid of it until I come along when she's not looking and I just throw away a bunch of trash. But she had one of those like dome hair dryers that you could mm-hmm. use at like the beauty like salons from the salon? like in the 70s. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, great. I was like 15. She's like, I'll do your hair. And she plugged it in. And that thing had been sitting in the garage for like 15 years or something or like it had been sitting in someone's garage and gave it to my mom. And she's like, I'll take it. And she plugged it in and had me sit under it. And because there had been dust accumulating in like the holes and stuff, that sucker burst into flames with my (laughs) head in it. (laughs) And I immediately went, oh my God, it's on fire. And so I totally like, you know, it just kind of hovers over your head and like blows hot air. I mean, it had been on for about four seconds before that thing was completely on fire and it was inside. So my dad unplugged it and grabbed it by its cord while I was on fire and dragged it outside and sprayed it down with the hose. And my mom was like, Okay, so do we have a plan B for Andre's hair? Or like and I'm so glad, like, none of my hair got singed, like I didn't get hurt at all. But like every once in a while, my mom is like, no, no, I'm gonna use that. Like, also be like, like you kept the hairdryer, like that? Okay, we're throwing this away. <laughs> I'm like, mom, you're becoming the weird old lady hoarder. Like, I'm just gonna start throwing shit away. But like, yeah, I my head was in it and it burst into flames. Like it's it was like one wisp of smoke, and suddenly it was like the Explosion that blew data's head off. It was like <laughs> huge, like just a huge
1: thing of fire. Thankfully, your head was was okay and still attached. That is a terrifying story. That's one of those yeah, stories where you are like, I will never hilarious. get my hair dried again. Right? It's just like <laughs> I'm
0: good. I'm good. Have you turned yeah, that on? My mom was I, like, Come lot here, lot let me you dry your hair. On. I'm like, No, no, I can do. You know what? The air is doing a really good job of drying. I'll just ride my I'll bike around. Air, yeah. Let's the just. Air will dry it. Air free. Catch that's
1: fire. Fine. I think, well, it's good
0: it's good it's good it won't no, i mean it can but a no it's story. not so yeah that's <laughs> so yeah that's why things that have been sitting uncovered in dust for hundreds of years or dozens of years can might still blow out first it might need not, a little you bit might need you might need to out. do the old mm-hmm. the old nintendo like like blowing yeah. trick and just kind of mm-hmm. get some of that dust out but while all this is happening Riker goes to Guinan and he does his like high moral ground shouting rant again, where he's Mm -hmm. like, you've got to tell me what to do. We've got to save the captain. And of course, she cannot tell him because it's her past and Riker's future. So she can't like betray the future. She can't tell him anything that could potentially
1: alter yeah. what he's yeah. gonna do because she's like, going if i everything. tell
0: you if i tell you it might change what you do and then things won't turn out the way they were supposed to and he's like but if you don't tell me it could also change mm-hmm. what i might do and that, she does that's not gonna thing, work against gynon <laughs> she does this thing where she just turns her head slightly and just looks away and he's like and like bump 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 bum. like off he goes mm-hmm. like he's so irritated mm-hmm. now in the cave the Davidian woman comes around, and it turns out that they can actually speak, but she's kind of going in and out of phase. Mm-hmm, which and I really like this voice modification they oh put on her. Oh, my God. It's like she's been through, like, one of those, like, vocal modifiers mm-hmm. where it's like you can't trace someone's voice. It's mm-hmm. so cool. And she says that, and she's out of breath, and she's, like, clearly dying. And she's that she says, no weapon can destroy the portal. It will only so, serve to amplify it. And then she kind of, right. like, disappears back in a... Her own phase, apparently. Yeah. So she doesn't just say that for no reason. Picard kind of goes over to her
1: and is checked in on her and, and seeing what's going on. And that's when she says, you know, he's like, why have you done this? Why do you come here? And she explains, we're coming here because our people, this is our only food source we could find in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So we've come back in time, you know, we've come to this point and this, this is what we have to do to survive. And that's when Picard says, there has to be another way. Let's mm-hmm. work together. We'll find an alternative food source for you. And yeah. she says, there is none. We've looked everywhere. There is no alternative food source. We have to continue this work. And then Picard says, we can't allow that to happen. We we yeah. have defenses. We will defend ourselves. Yeah, so we will
0: destroy we're gonna we have to destroy, destroy you then. Thing. Yeah, you know,
1: in that case, we're gonna have to destroy you and we're gonna have to destroy this cave so that you're not able to come back and take people. And she kind of chuckles and she's like, destroy it. If you try to destroy it, it's only gonna amplify the cave, it'll make the, the door, the portal permanently open mm-hmm. and we'll be able to come as often as we want. And she kind of is like, you know, it's hopeless and then she dies and disappears. And mm-hmm. then Picard's like, oh crap, because his last, you know, word to Riker was destroy the cave, you know, like if I don't come back or whatever, make sure you destroy it because you have to protect the future and the past. So now he's like, rut row, if, mm-hmm. if we just do what, if they do, if they follow my orders, it's going to have the opposite effect. And now he's like, how can I, let them know that when I have no way to communicate with them 500 years in the future. It's a very nice puzzle.
0: It is a really, really good puzzle. And like Riker is over here trying to lead an away team back to the Davidian caves and And on that Enterprise, Yeah. Back to the Davidian caves and back into 19th century San Francisco to like get the captain back and maybe even guide him to get her some help or whatever. Right. But on the enterprise, the team is going to lock on photon torpedoes onto the cave site and that's when Picard is like I have to do something to make this not happen because I am totally trapped here and this is going to make this portal yeah like e- even bigger right so he takes Data's head, and he pops open a back panel which is always really fun to see and mm-hmm. he takes like a little silver filing and just kind of pokes around in there yeah, and he's, he's like programming of, in something that's he's what I always looks a like message, when they
1: program something
0: which how does he which know is how kind of funny. exactly know. how does how do you know what you're programming at all because did, even if your plan works, Data could come to and be like, chicken, barn, bucket. And it's like, they're not going to know what what that means, right? Like, <laughs> how did somehow he, they, how they did always he, know? With a little silver, like, shred, managed to, to put in, like, no photons, bad or something. Uh huh. Tries to, you know, they try to reboot Data's body with a 500 year old head and it won't reboot because there's an iron filing in the back of his head. So, cut to, you know, Picard putting that filing in to send the message in, and it works. Like, he comes to and he's like, I need you to stop. Like, no, no yeah, meaning, teleport, meaning no data. Data is the one that yeah. comes
1: to. So, Jordy's the one who's tinkering around, finds the filing, and it's kind of doing this back and forth thing with time where we find that Picard put a message in Data's head in like some binary code or something, and then stuck the filing in his head so that the yeah. circuits would not complete. So, then when Jordy's poking around, he finds the filing, and as soon as he pulls it off, he does some more tinkering and then he pushes Data's on switch, which is always fun to watch. So he pushes Data's on switch and Data like jumps to life mm-hmm. and he starts sputtering nonsense. And then Data tinkers around in his head and then he's like, aha, that is better. And now he interprets what the what the he captain the said. Message. He's like, by the way, are we about to fire torpedoes to the cave? And Jordy's like, yeah, we are. And he's like, we must stop immediately. I will explain later. And they off they go, which is just, yeah. it's like just in the nick of time, which is so this show, right? Like they're about mm-hmm. to hit... Fire right away! And Jordy's like, ah, "Wait, stop, everybody! Stop, don't, stop, don't, stop! Don't, yeah, don't hit fire! Wait, wait, wait!" Um, and then we no. find out he programs okay. data da, like data. Data knows that that's what he said. Like, do not send the torpedoes. And then data interprets the rest, and he says, "Yeah, the captain seemed to think that it would somehow make things worse. So I think we need to make the torpedoes in such a way that they shift back into the Davidians' time mm-hmm. before they explode. We don't want them yes, to explode in any- our time."
0: They we need to modify our weapons to phase discriminate before they detonate. So right basically, now, like, they're uh, going to put
1: those Type R phase discriminators onto the torpedoes. Type like, ah, yeah. <laughs> that Jordy has <laughs> developed from before. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: and like, here's actually a question that like I will put to you and to our listeners as well. Time travel stuff tends to be a little messy at times, mm-hmm. like time travel storylines. And here's my question. Data got that metal filing, that silver filing from Picard, right, who like tinkered around and programmed a message and then left the head there alone. Now, Data currently with the 500-year-old head, you know, wasn't able to speak or they couldn't figure out like why Data wouldn't reboot. So when Geordi opened up the back panel and realized there was a silver filing there, it's like, how is that head existing in two places at once? Because even at the end of the episode, Data's head is going to end up at the cave like just how like the story started, but he also has that five hundred year old head currently. So it's like I I've, I've always been confused about that because I'm like, wait a minute, we have two different heads, but yet when he put the silver filing in the one left on the cave floor, it ended up be, like this is where I'm confused by where I'm like, how yeah. did that end up working out? Like so that Data, two heads ended up with like one the same iron filing, right? So it was it was one head.
1: So data's head, data's head exploded, mm-hmm. you know, five hundred years ago. <laughs> and Picard, Picard put the filing in Data's head, and then 500 years later, that head with the filing is the head that's now in the Enterprise. Oh, it's just okay. one head. It's just the time of that. When did that head get the filing? When the episode starts, mm. the Data who's walking and talking does yeah. not have the filing in his head. Yeah. It's not until later on when his head explodes that the filing gets put in, and then that's what they pick up from the cave. So, so it's at just the one very, head
0: at the start of the first part of this episode part one which was last week's episode mm-hmm. when they find the head and they bring it to the enterprise it already has the iron it has filing, the filing in it
1: that ah. head has the iron filing okay. in it and but okay. they're not tinkering inside of the head they're just kind of scanning it to see if it belongs to data and they're mm-hmm. like oh that's weird and they just and leave then, it there and then the an mystery artifact. with the
0: davidian starts and then off they, they have to like yeah deal with the, that first the head yeah. was just
1: like this is really weird and data is going to die somehow and this is really disturbing but they had no mm-hmm. reason to go into the head to really like you know make it work or anything it wasn't until they took Data's body back, that but the body didn't sense. have a head. Where they were like, "Okay, now we have to make the head functional." So yeah, it was just that one, makes
0: way more sense. It was just one
1: head existing in different part periods of time that you were seeing it. Mm. Um, okay, but it all works out. They they rephase it, and Riker's like, um, "Let's wait five more minutes just just to give the captain a little more time to show." Oh, because what happened before that? Sorry. So Data awakens, tells him the message, tells him to hold fire. The day is saved. Um, yes. So they run to the bridge. They still have the snake cane and they're talking about how they can go. Riker's like, great, we have time to go get the captain before we blow up. It takes a cape. couple of
0: hours to like
1: do the phase discriminate changes mm-hmm, on the photons. to make those phase yes. discriminators and attach them or whatever the heck. And so he's like, great, perfect enough time for me to go back and get the captain. And then I, I think it's, uh, who
0: knows, Geordi probably who's well, like, because of, because of plot stuff is what I put it as two people can go through to the past, but only one can return now, which no, is like, no, only, that's weird. No, no. Only one person can use the staff. That's ah, what he said. Yes.
1: They said the problem is the staff can only be used by one person at a time, like with our ability to mi- to to manipulate this technology. Mm. Like if we were Davidians, uh-huh. then we could at least take two people. We know they can do that, but we're not Davidians. So we can like activate it with our phaser or whatever, mm. but only one person can go through it. So that means, so Riker goes, so then if I go through it and the captain comes back, I'll be I'm stuck, stuck in the past because only yeah. one person can go through it. And they're like, yeah, unfortunately. And Riker's like, well, God, do what you got to do. And that's when Samuel Clemens comes on the bridge for some strange reason and says, hey, mm-hmm. guys, what's going on? And then he goes, yeah. well, I'll go back because that's my time anyways. I should mm-hmm. stay there. And then Picard can come back with the staff and, like, we're all good. So I guess it turned that's out to be perfect. a good thing that he came. Yes, Otherwise, we would that's, have to leave one why. of our people in the
0: past. Yeah. that, And that's that's why, like, while it's, like, annoying and inappropriate that he's in the present time like in the future Mm -hmm. um, it's perfect that he was there because they needed somebody to go to the past and stay in the past Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so he makes it back actually in the nick of time because they're like okay you'll have like 25 minutes or whatever it is like an hour or something to like go get Picard and come back before we fire the photon torpedoes as it turns out though the Ophidian dropped him off like in the middle of main street. And he had to like hightail it and do this like sprint run to the caves under the Presidio. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it took me forever to get to you. No time to talk. You need to get through because this thing is going to like close. And that's that. I love that scene. I love that scene so much because Clemens is
1: like, Hey Picard. And now they're all buddies and he's not trying to shoot him. And he's like, all right, they got your message. They totally understood. They're going to shoot the cave. Just like you said, take the snake, I'm going to stay here. You need to go back. He's just like, I'll look after me. Guinan. Yeah. I'll yeah. And he's like, Guinan's hurt. I'll look after Guinan. He's like, there's a, there's a bill to be settled at miss so-and-so's, you know, apartment or whatever. He's like, I'll settle the bill. He's like, all right, I wish I could have got a chance to know you better. And Twain is just like, we'll just read my books. Everything that I am is in there. And they shake hands and Picard takes the snake and beams back to the cavern. And we see kind of um like towards the end credits, we see that Guinan's being taken out by stretchers. So Clemens does What I guess Picard could not do, he leaves Mm -hmm. her and goes to get help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so, and so Picard shows up literally 10 seconds after Riker's finally like, we can't wait any longer, fire the torpedoes. They Mm -hmm. fire the torpedoes as the torpedoes are heading to the cave. And then, yeah. They're like, wait, there's some temporal disturbance. And it's like, ah, right when we just fired them, like, why couldn't you come 10 seconds earlier? But thankfully, they had decided, Worf had decided to destroy the cave in 10 second bursts of torpedoes. So Mm -hmm. that first burst was not going to destroy it. They were going to, like, do it staggered for whatever reason. So when Picard shows up, you just see the cave shaking all around. And (laughs) Riker yells to O'Brien, get him out of there right now. Yeah, And they beam him out in the nick of time before all the rest of the torpedoes detonate and destroy the cavern completely. And Picard is totally okay. Yeah, All is well with the world.
0: Yeah, so the Davidians, the Davidian cave has been destroyed. Except now for the Davidians. Can't, all yeah, they well with can't, them. no. But this is a whole planet and just one cave and all the Davidians live in this one cave, doubtful. There's probably like thousands of other caves, but we're not going to get into that. But like now they can't prey on humans anymore. And like that's done, which is nice. And so what's done is done. They're taken care of. Humans are safe in the 19th century Um, except for the 1906 earthquake that's going to hit. And then they will not be safe, but not because of any alien, whatever. So act of God. But I love that Picard goes to visit Guinan and there is no talking. Like there's no talking. He just walks up to her and she just looks at him and he just kind of like leans, like sort of kind of leans his elbow on the table. And they just look at each other meaningfully. And I was like, I love that they are saying so much to each other without a word. And you mm-hmm. know that as the scene kind of pans out and goes on to the next scene, you know they're about to have like the conversation of a lifetime. And I only wish we could have been a part of that. Mm-hmm. But the last scene of the whole wonderful episode is Samuel Clemens gets gyne-medical attention and off they go. And he goes to take his pocket watch, but realizes that all things must be as they were. And he leaves it behind. And the as he walks out of the cave, the final shot pans to Data's head, waiting to be discovered in 500 years and that's the end I was like oh oh my god (laughs) (laughs) it's the end and the beginning again right because it's like well now yeah (laughs) but that's like the end of the story and I think that is so wonderful like I love this episode so much I feel like I didn't really get to do it justice because full disclosure, usually we record on the weekends in the morning when we're fresh, but we had like, I was sick over the weekend all stuff. So we're recording on like a workday evening. So my brain is kind of fried. So I will apologize if I was a little scrambled today. Cause I feel like I just couldn't quite do it justice. Cause there's just so many beautiful different components and the like technology needs to be explained just right. And I'm so thankful Sharice that Whatever you did in your workday, you you did it better because you seem to like have full capacity of your words. And I'm like, uh Samuel I wrote Clemens, I, I did all my
1: notes over the weekend, like we <laughs> normally do. That's what happened. Yeah, he was super um, annoying. Um, but was. this episode was so, so great. Like my final thought on this episode and the previous episode is that I just really love these two. They are just two of my favorite episodes. They're just yeah. like this feel good family style thing. There are aliens, there are space battles, but that's not the point. No. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just really like, I can't even put my finger on why I enjoy it so much. What are your final yeah. thoughts about this episode?
0: I mean, I just wrote, it is so, so delicious. And I'm really, 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 ha- I've, I've just enjoyed this so much. And with last week's being part one, and then the week before that was being the inner light. It was just like, mm-hmm. like, I'm feeling the kind of like joy and serotonin boost that I imagine you would feel when you're playing the game from like Mm. a couple of episodes, you know, like a couple Mm of seasons back, which was a super creepy episode, but it's like just the (laughs) level of like happiness that you feel. That's how I feel at the end of this. And I just feel such a wonderful sense of like, you're just swimming in like the best times of TNG. You Mm -hmm. We really, really are. And I know that like when we wrapped season three, we were like, dang it. Did we really pass like The best season, and while I do think like season three had like most consistently the strongest episodes, Mm -hmm. even the best of the episodes were not this good. Like, so I feel Mm -hmm. season season five had some hits and misses, like a little Mm -hmm. bit more so than season three. But dang it, like the last that home stretch of season five was just like liquid gold. It was so so beautiful, and these episodes are the whole reason that we're doing this podcast because this is what makes TNG just so perfect and the yeah. show that
1: we've like loved totally totally and i'm excited slash nervous about season six and seven because i know <laughs> season seven i i have very little memory of i tend to not ever watch that season i don't yeah, think it was my favorite it's season. Like wrapping
0: up stuff that yeah. we don't want to wrap up we want it we want to keep going there is a very very memorable quote from um this the series finale of the office which i really love and it's the character andy who Because the premise of The Office is, like, it's a paper company, but it's a documentary style, right? So, like, the the characters, like, are all talking, you know, they do talking heads all the time. And his final talking head in the entire series is, I wish somebody would tell me that I'm living through like the golden years when I'm living through the golden years. Um, Because that would just make it all the better. And this is what it feels like. We're living through like the golden episodes and it's such a treat. And what's better is that we have this like really, really, truly beautiful and lovely group of people who listen along with our shenanigans. And like, just because of like the sheer, like nostalgic power of star trek tng and this is really like what makes it so great so what makes this journey so wonderful is not only that like i get to relive these beautiful nostalgic episodes is that i get to relive them with you sharice and we all collectively like as a family get to relive them together as fans and it's just so fun and i'm so appreciative um and that's all the saccharine stuff i have for now because next week barkley comes back in season six (laughs) episode two realm of fear it's gonna suck it's gonna be great Thanks for listening! <laughs> see you Bye. next time, guys.
1: <laughs> Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at the TNGpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.